Greetings, friends, and welcome to a special Good Friday edition of The Eclectic Monk. In this episode, I'm going to share with you just another Friday. I'll look at Good Friday from a different perspective. Quintus slowly reached consciousness. The taste of stale wine was clinging to his mouth like the shadow of a bad memory. His head was throbbing, and his stomach was feeling slightly rebellious as he climbed out of his bunk and walked to the latrine. He thought he heard Atticus say, Who bit you? But in his foggy state, he wasn't certain. So he simply stumbled forward. He relieved himself, washed his hands, and splashed water on his face. As he began shaving, he realized he did have a fresh wound on his cheek. He grimaced as he tried to recall how it happened, but in the end could only hope it had been fun. He walked back to the barracks and began pulling on the uniform that was stained with sweat filled with sand. Palestine, he thought. What did I do to deserve this hell? He was still shaking his head as he headed for the kitchen. A soldier's life was simple. Go where they tell you, do what they tell you, die when they tell you, and in between grab as much pleasure as possible. Quintus stepped out of the shade of the building and into the blazing sun. The smells of Jerusalem wafted in the air, baking bread, sizzling meats, fresh flowers and fruits, human refuse and animal dung clung together in the air, praying for a breeze to disperse it all away. I hate this place, he thought, as he pulled his helmet on and picked up the tool of his trade, a ten-pound hammer. It was early, but he always liked to have a few minutes to mentally prepare for the task ahead. He had started his career working with the engineers building bridges. They had noted his strength and his accuracy, and had decided that he was the perfect soldier for the easiest job, nailing criminals to crosses. Atticus had the more interesting job of holding them in place. All Quintus had to do was drive the spikes. At first, it had been fun in a way. But after a year, he found it more tedious than anything. He had seen big men weep like frightened children. He had seen small men snarl and spit like rabid wolves. He had heard men scream beg and pray to the gods for mercy. And after three nails had pierced their joints and they had been lifted into the air, they all grew quickly silent and then slowly died. Roman justice was swift and it was brutal. It was designed to instill fear in the hearts of the people who were being dragged into the empire, often against their will. He had once been a part of a team that had crucified a group of insurrectionists. Their bodies had stretched for nearly a mile outside of the city gates. All he really remembered was that his shoulder was sore the next day, and that he was glad he wasn't on the disposal team. Quintus flexed his neck and shoulders as he approached the magistrate's desk to see what the morning had in store. To his relief, it was a light day, just three. Two common thieves, 
and a political troublemaker of some kind. These Jews just didn't understand that they couldn't win against Rome. He admired their tenacity, but thought they were fools all the same. Really, it didn't matter. He just wanted to get it over with and find a shady spot to nurse his hangover. As mid-morning approached, the condemned men were brought out by the garrison. They were paraded through town carrying their own crosses as was customary. Quintus noted that one of the criminals was barely walking and then collapsed under the weight of the wood. A bystander was compelled to lift the cross and carry it the remainder of the way to the place of execution. With his discerning eye, Quintus noted that this man had been severely flogged. The fact that he was walking at all was a miracle. That must be the troublemaker, he thought, as he sized the others up and prepared for the duty at hand. As they brought the first man forward, he was kicking, screaming, and spitting on any soldier he could. Atticus, who was built like a bull, struck him in the jaw with a giant calloused hand, which left the man temporarily stunned. Quintus quickly stepped forward and drove a spike into his right wrist between the bones of the arm. He wasted no time stepping to the other side and driving a spike into the left arm. It was at this point that the man came to and began hurling curses at the soldiers. Quintus paid him no attention and with a single blow drove a spike through both heels that effectively secured the thief to his instrument of death. As they lifted the cross into place, this man cursed their wives, their parents, their children, and their gods with a vehemence that Quintus had rarely witnessed. Had he been carrying a bottle, Quintus would have toasted his fine performance. As it was, all he could do was prepare himself for the next victim. They brought the second thief out. He was quiet. As his arm was stretched out, Quintus noticed that the man's mouth was moving. Quintus was not familiar with Hebrew, but he assumed the man was praying. Tears flowed from his eyes and his head rolled from side to side as he awaited his fate. Relax, it will hurt less, Quintus grunted as they held the first spike in place. The thief's eyes grew wide and he screamed as the spike was driven into his flesh. As Quintus moved to the other side, the thief thrashed about violently and tried unsuccessfully to pull away from the soldiers who held him in place. Shut up, Quintus said, as he drove the second spike into the man's outstretched arms. He hated the screaming, the cursing he could stand, but the screaming drove him mad. With a final blow, the heels were secured and the second thief was lifted into the air, weeping and crying for mercy in a language unrecognized by his executioners. Quintus rubbed his throbbing temples and waited for the final criminal of the day. What a mess, was all he could think of as the political prisoner was brought forward. He saw the purple robe lying on the ground and the the crown of thorns that had been driven into the man's head and wondered what on earth this fellow had done. The man gave no resistance as they laid him down and stretched out his arms. Quintus could feel the man's gaze upon him as he held the spike in place and lifted the hammer into the air. 
One strike drove the nail through the flesh. A second drove it deep into the well-worn wood of the cross. Quintus heard the man's breath rush from his lungs as the spike was driven in, but he made no other sound. As he moved to the other side, he felt the man's eyes following him. Quintus made a point of avoiding eye contact with the condemned. This was his job. He could no more refuse to do it than he could refuse to clean the latrines if ordered to do so by his superiors. He didn't have to like it. He didn't have to enjoy it. He only had to do it, and do it well. As he moved to the man's feet, he reminded himself that these were not people. They were criminals of the state and were receiving the punishment they had earned. Still, he could feel the eyes of this man upon him, this man who had been beaten beyond recognition and filleted by an expert, this man who made no sound, who neither cursed nor begged, this man who in a few hours would be just one more dead Jew. This man was different. And Quintus could feel that difference beating down on him as the man was lifted into the air between the others. As he looked up, he noticed the sign that had been posted on the cross, King of the Jews. Quintus couldn't help but laugh. So that was your sin, he thought, as he stared at the broken man hanging in the center. You fashioned yourself a king, eh? Well, you see what it got you. Without meaning to, he found himself looking into the dying man's eyes. I should just walk away, he thought. But for some reason, he was compelled to stand there. Those eyes, they pierced him like none had ever done before. And as he stood there, he heard the man say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Quintus backed away and sat down. As he sat, he noticed a group of women and a young man standing at a distance and weeping. They were obviously there for the man in the middle, and Quintus thought it odd. Usually, the political types died alone, abandoned by their cronies in the end. But somehow, this man didn't seem like a criminal. He seemed to be something else, something more. As he sat there, he saw a group of Jewish leaders come and stand before the dying man. They mocked him and hurled insults at him as they spit and laughed. The man said nothing in response. As the sun rose and the day grew hot, the man said, I thirst. Atticus took a sponge on a reed and filled it with sour wine mixed with herbs and held it to his lips. Quintus was also thirsty, but for some reason was unable to move from the place where he sat. Around noon, Quintus noticed that the sun was growing dim. A supernatural pall fell upon the earth and the day became as dusk. He heard the dying man cry out in Hebrew, and saw the Jews who stood nearby run towards him in expectation. Nothing happened, and they quickly lost interest and walked away. Then, about three in the afternoon, the man cried out, It is finished. His head fell forward, and he breathed no more. Then, the earth began to shake, and the sky grew black. 
The Jews ran in terror, and the soldiers looked around in amazement. Quintus sat and observed it all. As suddenly as it began, the ground ceased shaking, and the day regained its familiar luster. Not long after, a group from the Praetorian Guard arrived to look at the dead man. They pierced his side with a spear, and blood flowed down mixed with water. They gave Quintus a nod, and he went and broke the legs of the other two men to speed up their demise. His job finally finished, he turned to leave. As he did, he noticed the women and a, a few men taking the body of the political prisoner down and preparing him for a rushed burial. Quintus arrived back at the barracks as the sun was setting and pulling off his uniform, headed into the city for a much needed cup of wine. The bar buzzed with discussions about the unexpected eclipse and the earthquake. Others talked about the dead prophet who had challenged the scribes and Pharisees in the temple. Quintus sat quietly in the corner and thought about those eyes. There was something about those eyes. He raised his cup as the maid walked past. Here's to forgetfulness, he said quietly, as the moon crept over the horizon. Oh, 
very hands Some call him Messiah sure hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Eclectic Monk, and I'd appreciate it if you would like this episode, subscribe to the channel, and share it with people in social media and just by word of mouth. And I invite you to check out my website, TheEclecticMonk.com, where you'll find my web store, my video vlog, my backlog of music videos, and all kind of different stuff. Hey, we're on this journey together. Let's enjoy it. And again, thank you so much.